Hello everyone and welcome back to Urban Financial Java Live. Your hot cup of financial goodness. How'd everyone do last week with understanding the report? Hopefully that information helps some of you. This week we're going to discuss disputes. Yes. Doesn't always seem like fun, doesn't sound like fun, but I'm telling you if you can understand disputes, how they work, and how to basically get them done, you'll be on your way to a better place financially with your credit report in no time. We are going to start this week off with the disputes of personal information. Now, why would we need to dispute our personal information? Eh, there's small stuff, like let's say our name is spelled incorrectly. Let's say we have the wrong employer on there, uh, wrong address, addresses we probably don't identify with. And also, outdated, how do I want to say this? Outdated information as it pertains to the accounts on your credit. Now, going back into the personal information, the most important one when taking things off your credit is your address uh very briefly your address can hold you with bad credit for a long period of time i say this because let's say that when i was young wild and free i lived with my parents but i no longer lived with my parents but most of the items that are delinquent on my credit were opened when i was living in my parents house what i would like to do First, when I approach getting my credit together, is first removing my parents' address. And as we become adults, we're no longer going to use our parent address, which most people do it, but it sets them back in so many ways they wouldn't even begin to know why they're still stuck in certain positions. Um, when you branch off and you get your own address, you want to dig back into your credit and say, oh, let me take off some of these things or let me work on some of these things that belong to me when I was affiliated with this address. It could be a phone bill. It could be an old credit card. It could be a number of different things. Always go back and start your dispute process by sending in a separated dispute, which simply only touches personal information. Now, when you get the results back from that dispute, which only has personal information, from there, you'll get a letter back saying, hey, the following addresses have been removed. The name has been corrected. You also want to go back and remove your job from when you worked at Wendy's and you applied for all those crazy credit cards when you were in college. You want to take that stuff off. Reason being is because there's this thing called the skip trace. If I can tie you to that address, I can tie you to that debt. Skip Trace can also say, if I can tie you to being the person who used to work at this job, I can tie you to this address, that type of thing. So that's why we want to dispute personal information. Uh, in the letter, in the letter kit and guide, that's going to be letter I. Moving on to number two, inquiries. You really, really don't want to go overboard when you're applying for credit. My advice to you is to be a smart shopper. 
don't build credit off the lottery method, which is let me see if I, you know, can approve for this or we finna see or, you know, whatever. Don't be like that. Make phone calls and call and say, hey, I would like to know the standard RECs, short for requirements, for applying for this loan. Now, a person is going to tell you, vetted person, or should I say a more experienced person is going to tell you, hey, when you're doing these applications, you're more so going to need around a 680 to a 720. We require X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Now, the other person who wants you to be stupid, who's just trying to get you anyway, is going to tell you, well, I don't know until I see, blah, blah, blah. Now, we all know what ranges are. We all know what average means, things like that are. If you do this every day, and this is what you do, and you're an expert at this product, this manufacturer, this brand, or this lending product, this credit card or whatever, guidelines change every day for mortgages. For everything else, it's pretty much standard. And even for mortgages, there are like five, six different standard types out now. So most people can tell you what you need from the jump. You don't have to guess. You don't have to Powerball. You don't have to submit an application. They can tell you what you need to bring to the table in order to get your shit together and then come back. Don't do the lottery method. Back to inquiries. Inquiries, you would like to take them off. Inquiries have a strange way of affecting your credit and causing you to lose points. Here's how it happens. I apply at Infinity for a vehicle which I do not approve for. That it, that Infinity application never becomes a loan. Within 45 to 60 days, sometimes it doesn't immediately happen in 30, my credit tanks. Reason being, that inquiry was not matched with the new account within 45 to 60 days. So now it took me under because that means that something went against me or something wasn't aligned right in order to help me score that account as a new account. So it was a full decline. That means that there were some adverse things going on on my credit that kept me from getting it. So it counts against me. Now, when it comes down to inquiries, there's the letter in the packet, letter N, uh, you're going to use to remove the inquiries. Uh, be careful with inquiries, especially when car shopping. When you're car shopping, you sign one application. Usually they run your credit about seven to eight times. You can always go back in there. You can use that letter and you can say, I agree to this one. I did not agree to this eight because you did not sign off on those. Also with inquiries, you want to keep them to a minimum. Creditors like to see maybe two or three per year. That's it. Sounds crazy, right? A smart shopper doesn't have any more than two or three per year. They don't gamble. They don't play lotto with their credit. They always inquire about, you know, what's needed first. So it's pretty normal for a person to only have one to three per year. So that's normal. Do your inquiries, I would say, and this is for a person who really wants to take the time. You can do all this stuff on the same day, but you can mail them out. In, in separate packets or separate envelopes or whatever the case is. Do your inquiries separate. Um, also, get into the habit of saving business cards of people who pull your credit because you can always write a letter back and say, hey, I didn't authorize all of these inquiries. You did this a number of times, whatever, whatever. So you'll have some backup, some paper trail, you know, things like that. Keep in mind with inquiries when they do not become new accounts and they don't cancel each other out, application and approval, new account, 
when it's just straight application, no approval, your credit score is going to go down. The infamous soft pull. Take it from me. And I know a lot of people are going to jump down my throat when I say this. There is absolutely, positively no such thing as a soft pull. Just nowhere. Even with your insurance company, it's going to come up in your credit app to say the following company looked at your credit. So soft pull is just a nice tender way to say, hey, come get this rate. <laughs> I'm not really going, you know, penalize you too much. I know that's a lie, but come and get this. There's no such thing as a soft pull, especially when you're looking at a house. Stop buying into the BS. It doesn't exist. Inquiries. Go ahead and work on those and get them off. What inquiries do you want to take off? The ones that did not become an actual account. Don't go crazy. Don't get retarded and start taking off things that you actually have accounts for. You want to keep the inquiries that became accounts. That works for you in a positive way. Things that you applied for that did not become an account, you want to take those off. Inquiries that you can take off easily are ones that you were not present for to present your driver's license and your physical, your physical signature in ink. Those can easily come off. Now, big, big, big disputes, collections. Collections can be utilities, medical bills, credit cards, you know, old judgments, things of that nature. Few ways to go about collections on your credit report. You can either settle in agreement with the creditor to say, hey, this is what I'm going to pay. You can, you know, settle with some type of, I don't know what you want to say. Um, you can either settle in full, settle partial, or if they are nasty with you, you can do like I've been telling you before and settle with a contingency for a much, much lower rate. But once they cash it, it's a done deal. Now, if you have a collection on your credit report and you've spoken to the original creditor and you've spoken to them and told them that there were some parts of this account or something on here that you don't agree with, and that, or that it doesn't belong to you, or that it was identity theft, but you see it pop up on your credit anyways, there's a way to go about that. You can always call the collection company back and let them know that you spoke to the original creditor and you had this discussion with them. Sometimes right away, they'll go ahead and take it off because remember the debt was sold to them. They're not controlling it. They're very retarded and they're very annoying and they're going to continue calling you. But if you never pick up the phone and you never say, hey, this account is in regards to so-and-so-and-so. I've already spoke to the original, you know, creditor in regards to this. I'm not sure why you're calling me. I had that conversation with them on X, Y, and Z date. I noticed that you guys are on my credit report and you're calling me every day. Take their information from them. Let them know you're going to dispute it. Sometimes that's an easy one. It may fly off within maybe a week, couple weeks, a month. It may, but always do your due diligence and sending your disputes if that is the case. Medical collections are supposed to be handled in a certain way. If the facility which you got medical care for had a copy of your insurance or whether you had Medicaid care, whatever it may have been, and they fail to submit a claim on your behalf, that shouldn't have became a collection. So you can dispute that and, and say, well, hey, there's no fault of mine as to why you didn't collect payment on this debt. You were given all my insurance information and you failed to collect on that claim. Medical bills are supposed to 
you know, you're supposed to be given notice on them. Number one, you are supposed to be given a constant statement for six months straight, 180 days. If you don't get that, you can dispute it and say you never got notice, you never got full detail. Now, an easy way to make medical bills come off is to say that you requested financial assistance and you never heard back from the facility. It was never offered to you. As I said in the previous podcast, they're all considered nonprofits. Most medical facilities are considered nonprofits, so they always should try to work something out with you. You can always say that you asked for a settlement and a detailed bill and you never got one. So there's financial assistance, settlement offer, or detailed bills. And also the 180-day rule, meaning that every month you were supposed to get an invoice or a statement. And also that, you know, it, it doesn't become one of those things where it just popped up on your credit. There's a lot of times when you're going to see things that just pop up on your credit and you never got noticed of it. You can go ahead and dispute those items based on that. And it should come off of your credit just based on that because you should always have notice about what's coming onto your credit as a collection. Utility bills, you know, credit cards, medical, all of it, same thing. Even for old schools, stuff like that, colleges, universities, they become collections too. Same thing. So now, um, da 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 da. You always are entitled to make an agreement if you would like to settle them out. That's up to you guys how much you decide to pay or you know what you decide to work out with them. My advice to you, don't do too many things over the phone. If you do do things in phone, ask for letters in writing to say that whatever terms they're asking you to agree to, they're, you know, truly going to give it to you. If you don't get that in writing, my advice to you, don't send anything in um, as far as payment. That's just me personally. I don't like to do things unless I can see them in writing. You guys may be a little bit different. I don't like handling things that, you know, have anything to do with my credit over the phone. Moving along to the next one, late. Lates are a very, very big thing. Uh, there is a letter within our packet, which is letter Q. Uh, you have to give solid reasoning, though. And I, I say this wholeheartedly. With lates, you can't just be like, oh, can you take off the lates for January, February, March, April, May, June, July? You have to have valid reason as to why something fell into a bad place because they're basically just documenting, you know, records and things of that nature. And all they're doing is saying, hey, we didn't receive payment on this month. We didn't report payment on this month. If you want to get credit or if you want to get that type of history removed, you have to have some type of hardship documentation, uh, paperwork from your pregnancy, paperwork saying you lost your job, paperwork saying you became ill, something to document that time period. And before you ask for forgiveness of late, make sure that you're at least three to six payments in the positive before you ask for it. I don't want you to waste your time because if you don't have that, more than likely they're not going to give it to you. And the next one is going to be uh, outdated information over seven years. You really want to go ahead and take off because these are your easy disputes first. Anything that's over seven years, it's not helping you. And if it's negative, it's definitely not helping you. How do you determine your seven years? Well, most people like to say seven years from the day to close. 
realistically, and it has worked for me, what I do is go seven years from the day to open. Reason being is because from the day it was open, it began to report. They are entitled to seven years of reporting. So I go from the date of open. That has worked for me with my clients. Other people have argued that it's seven years from the date that the account was closed. Nine times out of 10, it's the creditor that's reporting it. That's going to tell you that it is um, seven years from the date that the account was closed. I go in there like Thug Life and I go from the date of open. So you are entitled to dispute outdated items. Also, if a relationship with an account or a creditor just went bad and you just are on one of those modes where you're like, I don't want to shit on my credit. This is me. This is big me. Um, you just go in there and you just say, you know, I would like to have the following account removed based on so-and-so and so. I'll give you a prime example of this. I had a credit card once and it was with a furniture company. I usually don't buy furniture. I thrift a lot of furniture. We'll talk about that way down in the podcast. Um, I thrift a lot of furniture, but I thought it would be a good idea to go to this store and go get a credit card. So I did go get the credit card. They gave me a pretty decent size limit. I never used it. So what these people did was they sabotaged my credit by putting all these fees on there. I didn't know that these fees were happening. There were no invoices for fees. Uh, these fees for like $30 were like late, uh, it sabotaged the credit card. It caused lates to pop up on my credit, even though the balance was like $8,000 and the balance was just sitting there perfectly. But because they had billed this towards the balance and I didn't know about it, it was reported as late. That account is actually fairly new. I took that account out in, I would say 2018. By 2019, late 2019, during the holidays, I saw what it had done to my credit. It took down about 40 points off of my credit. So if you know me personally, then you know me. I don't want that shit on my credit. So you gave me eight grand. You decided to put a little fee on me for about, I think it was like $38, $39 or whatever. And I didn't pay it because I didn't see it for a few months. So they bam, bam, whammed my credit probably twice. Had two lates. A lot of my ratios had like changed. It was no longer 100%. You know, things just looked real different on my credit. And I'm like scouring my report trying to see where is this coming from. It was coming from that one credit card. Gave them a call. They didn't want to work with me. They were so nasty. Oh my gosh. So anyways, I went and I just said, hey, thug life. I'm going to charge it to the game. Send it straight to the credit bureau. And I said to the credit bureau, hey, this is what happened. These are the invoices. Stick a pen right there. Save documentation. It's going to help you out tremendously. Press play. These are the invoices that show that this account was always in good standing. I wasn't aware of the fact, nor did I receive an invoice that said, hey, you're late because we decided to charge you this one payment because you didn't use the card. Credit Bureau goes, and even though I had that card for like a year, never used it, never had no problems, the limit was helping me out, you know, by opening my credit some or whatever. Credit Bureau did not require seven years. It it was a year to two year account. They deleted it, no problem. When they deleted it, those two lakes came off my credit. My score went back up. Life was great. So when it comes down to outdated information, that seven year rule it's at your discretion. You just have to know how to approach your disputes if you're disputing something that was on your credit for less than 
seven years. If you already have the uh, packet with the letter templates, that letter is letter J. Now let's get into incorrect items. This can be for balances, remark, you know, identity theft, any errors or anything like that. You want to send, this is letter I in your package if you're following along with me. You want to send this off and I would suggest using the template which we gave but putting a please see attach and fully explaining yourself and fully providing your documentation and showing why this information is correct or showing what happened. This is where I discussed breaches where if something happened, let's say that I had insurance on my Sprint phone. Sprint is the account that we have in question. Uh, I called them because, you know, something happened and they told me they weren't going to fix it. And the cost to fix it plus the cost of my phone bill didn't make any sense. So I switched phone carriers and I went to AT&T because I'm thinking to myself, that's stupid. Ain't nobody, you know, going to pay that, whatever, whatever. You put in there that there was a breach in your contract, something that you did not receive, that type of thing. Um, you can talk about the balances. If this is from an old statement from, let's say... An apartment, which let's say you agree to the eviction, but you're like, I probably owe these people maybe $1,500, but I don't owe them no $7,000 or anything like that. Then this would be considered incorrect based on the balance. And you would have to show proof as to why this balance is incorrect. You can also use this for remarks. Let's say that the remarks say, and this happens all the time. It's a very common one, but you have to be good to catch it. <clears throat> Let's say that you had four months worth of lates on your credit, right? And in the four months, in the very first month that they marked you late, they put a 60. In the second month, they put you at a 90. They put you at a 120 on the third month. That is incorrect. The first month that you're late, that's a 30. The second is a 60. The third is the 90. The fourth is the 120. Be careful with these because if you're not careful with these, it will overstate your lates and it will eat up your credit score tremendously. So that can also be incorrect due to, I consider those to be the remarks because it's a part of the history. Or, you know, if they put in the actual comments, this account was late more than once or this account was late three times or whatever and you believe that you were only late twice dispute that because all of it affects your credit uh you can also use the incorrect item letter to dispute the identity theft before the identity theft please log on to ftc and get the identity theft report completed full pdf it's fully user friendly fill it out Put all the stuff that's incorrect on there and mail that with your dispute. Any errors or anything like that, you want to dispute incorrect items and you want to give full detail along with supporting documentation. Because you can go on the internet and you can use those generic ex uh, excuses that they have on there. But if your situation doesn't perfectly fit, it's going to be denied. And once it's denied, it's going to be locked like that. You don't want to do that. Next thing is... You want to start, I'm going to say that again, you want to start getting into your student loans. Student loans can fall delinquent for a 
wide number of reasons and student loans is not something that we want to watch go bad and we don't want to let our student loans sit as you know gone bad log into the studentloans.gov website or for some they have a uh what do you call it they have one of those sites where it transfers you over fsa student aid get in there and get into your repayment options you don't have to call you don't have to send in anything everything is able to be done online bring your student loans back on track whether you do it with the consolidation a consolidation can close out all of your old lates my recommendation is to consolidate the loan. It'll by default put you into a income-driven repayment plan. You choose what you can afford. People always come back to me and ask me, which one should I choose? I don't know. Which one can you afford? Get in there. Get those two things done. If you had a plan that expired, you need to get in there and recertify. If you're recertifying individual loans, don't do that. Consolidate that loan. Uh, so it can become one you'll change your interest rate on that right now is a great time to consolidate student loans based on the zero percent interest rate and uh, once you do that all those old lates and things that were tearing up your history because of the student loans they'll disappear and they'll close then all you have to worry about is calculating which ones are over seven years and taking them off so that's how you rectify your student loans Pretty easy. Couple clicks online, fill out some information that you already know. It already transfers your tax information in there. Don't become no wise guys trying to put no creative numbers. It transfers it automatically with your social. Keep in mind it's a government loan. Repos. Don't we love those? So going back to what I said in the previous podcast, go back and get all your paperwork from the repo. Ask yourself, did you try to make arrangements? Did they offer you anything? What did the letter of intent to repo say? What are the dates? When did they repo the car? When did the repo occur actually? Where is the letters that they sent to you? All this stuff. Go back and dig it all up and learn how repos are supposed to be done. Repos actually have a 45-day period as to when this entire process takes place. Within this 45 days, they're supposed to have this card or location where if you decide to say, hey, I want to pay whatever the arrears are and get this card back and get my loan reinstated, da 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 you should have the option to do so within 45 days. The smaller the bank, the more the hustle, the more the problems. What happens is when you're dealing with a small finance company or some of these subprime lenders, you're going to find that once they pick up the car, you can no longer get in touch with them again. They don't want to work with you. It's a lot of transfer hold. Please call this number. Da, 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 da. You basically get lost in the matrix from there. And that's not a problem. That's fine. Because what they're expecting is that you don't understand the law. You don't understand the way repos are supposed to work. You're going to eat the L and it's going to be over. They're going to win and they're going to sabotage you for the next few years. Game recognized game. Doesn't have to work like that. Here's what you do. You go ahead and you start getting your documentations together. If you discover they did not do what they were supposed to do, here's our steps. Number one, you're going to write a letter and uh, get the name of the bank. It's very simple. Your name, last four digits of your social, your account number, their address, your address, to them, from you. Very briefly, my name is da-da-da-da in, in regards to the above reference account. I would like to get my certified auction certificate of when my vehicle, describe the vehicle, 2000 and blah, 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 make model year, 
do all that. When my vehicle was sold, uh, the certified auction slip should give you the time, the exact date, and the exact amount. You'll request that document. That's all you're going to say. Do not add to that. Uh, I would like a copy of that document. Here's my address. Da -da -da -da. Uh, my email address. Make sure you put in there. As a matter of fact, we're going to add a full repo packet with all these letters. We're going to upgrade the one that we have. So we're going to yank some stuff down from the website. And we're going to just list it as steps. In this letter, it'll just basically request the document briefly it'll give them the address that they need to send it back to uh your phone number if they don't have it some of you guys keep the same phone number for ten thousand years that's great but there'll be a notation in here that says that this document should be sent by mail or email only naturally these people are going to know want to know why in the hell does this person want this document so long after whatever whatever you know with this letter it's going to come with a second portion that says Either you can send me back this document or fully delete this from my credit. When you send this off, you're going to send this off to four different places. The three credit beers and the one bank. Reason why you want to send these letters off, and I recommend this with all your disputes, you always want to send to the creditor and the beer at the same time because you don't want to lose any days. You don't want them to get creative or do any, you know, thing that may block you from getting that dispute done. So always send to them and send to the credit bureau at the same time. So 30 days is on the clock for everybody. Usually what happens is this. They know that if they send you a certified copy of that auction slip and that auction slip says, hey, we sold this car for 20 grand, but we're listing on their credit that, you know, this person still owes us 18000 We sold the car for over what the balance was. We never disclosed that. We can get in deep, deep trouble for that. So usually they just fly on over to the credit bureau and be like, oh, delete that. So one out of two things can happen. They'll either send it back to you or they'll delete it. We'll package it up and make the template in a way so that it's very cut and dry so that only one out of those two things happen. You don't have to do anything other than add your name and address, that type of thing. Uh, with that, let's see, what else do we need for repos? With the repos, you're supposed to have had no credit activity from the date that they basically closed the account. They don't close the account once they pick the car up. They usually close the account about three to four months after. With most companies, they don't do this. They stay on your credit for like a year and every month you or every two to three months you see X, Y, and Z company has flagged your credit, da, 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 even though it's a closed account because they want to keep putting those COs on there. The more they put those COs, which stand for charged off, the more your credit score keeps going down. And this is a big thing. And in our community, we have to start learning what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for credit. Once you send this document off, few things are going to happen. Either they're going to send you the documentation that you need, they're going to delete it off your credit, or they're going to delete it and the improper activity will stop. That's your repos in summary. I'll explain it more in the actual packet, but that's what you want to do to dispute your repos. Repos don't have to sit for seven years. They don't even have to sit for two years if you don't need them to. If they are improper, they can come off right away. Evictions. Pretty straightforward. Evictions are usually this person didn't pay the rent. 
uh, we decided to go through the process with the court to throw the person out. Now, in order to dispute an eviction, you got to have some strong reasoning. Strong reasoning, one, the location posed a hazard to your safety, keyword, after an attack or an incident occurred. Documentation, police report, something to document that event. Letter to landlord. I don't want to live here because I feel like da-da-da-da. Documentation, once again, very much key. Number two, there were inhabitable conditions as to where, you know, it would not be safe to live there. And, you know, things were just not, you know, good for whether it be yourself or your family. Your child has asthma. There's mold there. Something like that. Um, Broken step. Two-story house something of that nature but some states require that there has to be some form of notice to the landlord in addition to a 10-day demand which means that if they don't fix it within those 10 days you're entitled to basically if you want withhold rent not pay move that type of thing got to make sure you have that documentation if you can't prove that that eviction may just be very legit uh, you can also dispute an eviction based on the management company reporting an excessive amount of fees on your credit that exceed the agreed upon amounts listed in your lease. Once again, documentation. You would have to send in your lease, highlight those numbers, make a comparison, and have an actual ledger from the property management that breaks down where let's say that they were supposed to be charging $200 something. Their ledger says that they're charging $375. This is the type of thing that is needed in order to have successful disputes. Documentation is key. Now, let's get into, while we're here, child support. I have ran into so many occurrences of child support just eating away at different people's credit. Is it fair? Absolutely not. Let's discuss the way that things work. Sometimes we have party A, which is who the money is owed to. And we also have a third party who reports in between from party A to the credit bureau. Oftentimes these parties, they don't always communicate with each other. So we have to be very, very careful to always monitor that things are working the way that they should. With child support, this is a very, very big one. With child support, they don't communicate. And to me, it seems like once child support begins to get their money again, they don't communicate back with the credit bureau at all. So here's what you do. If you had or you have child support on your credit and uh, they're basically a part of what's keeping you from getting a house, keeping you from getting an apartment, car, small credit card, small business loan, anything like that. Immediately when child support begins to garnish, collect, or you make an arrangement to take it out your check, go to your human resources department. Have human resources include a copy of the garnishment letter as well as a letter from human resources on the behalf of your employer to say, a, B, C person began to make payments to child support on 
ABC date in the amount of this. Once you're able to get that letter and you're able to show that, send that to the credit bureau. The credit bureau will do the math and the credit bureau will remove that child support entry from your credit. Once the item is removed from your credit, you will be able to clear that record as well as make a proper notation as to what you owe on child support. And sometimes the entry may be modified to say, hey, this person owes arrears of 5,500, but they're making payments in 300 and something every month and the past 18 months have been current. You can get it either way. Sometimes it depends on them. They decide how they want to do that, but you do not have to sit with a bad child support record just sitting there on your credit, absolutely not. You do not have to. So running through with disputes, let's talk about a few things. In the general packet, you're able to request to delete inaccurate information, outdated information. I've also included reminder letters in there. Instead of reminding at 30 days, I like to remind at 20 days simply because the mail. We've all had the post office screw things up for us in the past. So I like to go with 20 days so that way it's postmarked and you get to have that notation to say, hey, I did follow up on this. Now, when it comes down to the heavier disputes such as child support, uh, the repos, you know, the evictions, things like that, which require a few more steps, do not expect those disputes to always come back in 30 days. I've seen them come back in 45 and even as long as four to probably five months after, depending on how things going, you'll keep getting a status notation to say, hey, they're working on it. Fact, myth, all credit disputes come back within 30 days. Sometimes you get a response in 30 days, but the, the other party has not even completed their side of looking into it. Don't always expect things to be updated in 30 days. Don't plan for things to be uh, updated in 30 days. The only thing you need to do is plan to always maintain your credit. Also in this package, we have the non-response from creditor 30-day letter. Now, regardless of whether or not you know that you're not always going to bank on 30 days, always send the letter out. Final request for proof of corrections on credit report is very important because this means, hey, I'm sick and tired of y'all dragging your ass. This is my letter to you to say, hey, get some things done. Uh, you have the letter for the inquiries in here. You also have the option to merge inquiries. What does that mean? In summary, I go car shopping. I went to CarMax. I went to Toyota, Honda, Nissan. I went to a lot of places within the time period from April 1st to April 10th. These are all car shopping hits. Some of them use the same bank instead of having three that came from, you know, Tropical Financial Credit Union. I can have one merging the inquiries. That's also included in there, too. If you sometimes don't know why you were denied for credit, let me stick a pin in that. Oftentimes people are denied for credit. Sometimes I have clients, old clients come back to me and I ask them, why were you denied? They say, well, my credit score, it's never going to be because of your credit score. Read your denial letters. Your denial letters will say things like you had too many inquiries. The balance on your revolving accounts for the past X, Y, and Z period of time is too high. Uh, you are carrying over balances for too long. It'll say things like you don't have enough 
accounts basically with lengthy terms they use this weird thing of you don't have enough real estate accounts but that basically means that you don't have enough accounts with terms that are like 60 and above you have all short-term accounts which means that you're all subprime pay attention to your adverse uh, adverse letters which means that basically you were denied see what they say always ask them how long are you going to hold my report until you have to pull my credit again if they say 60 days use them 60 days to get the shit together don't go trying to be a hero going to another place and because financial guidelines are usually very similar or the same so just go ahead and fix whatever it is you need to on the first one and it's a it's a cheat sheet letter basically saying hey if you fix this shit right here you'll be good to go work on what's on your adverse letter there's a letter in here which says request for reasons of credit denial in other words tell me exactly what i need to do to get right with you use that letter explanation of late payment is in there requests you know of credit counseling notes sometimes mortgage companies may send things uh to say well hey were you working with the credit repair company or whatever i used to send them out all the time and it'll help my clients get approvals uh you can use this letter a few different ways it just depends on what it is that you're doing different people ask for them either way the letter is included in there you just got to get it signed by both parties request for husband and wife file separation big one husband's an investor wife does her own thing they need to transact in two different ways in order to get business done for different things she's a dentist she would like to get a commercial loan with something whatever whatever she doesn't need her husband's 50 million investments tied to it she just needs free and clear credit in order to get her dentist practice open that type of thing i've had that this letter is included in there uh the letters that you'll need to make settlements and repayments there are three of them in here one is an offer letter one is the lump sum contract letter the other is an installment contract meaning that I'm going to pay you small payments until X, Y, and Z amount of time. A separate letter, which is not included in the packet, is the contingency letter. Be sure to download that because that's the one that you're going to send off the payment of whatever you want. Once they accept it, boom, whatever the balance was, it's paid. So be sure to grab that one too. When you're doing this whole credit cleaning thing, you're going to get a ton load of phone calls because you're disputing because they want to manipulate you some more but they see that hey you were out here getting financially woke what no we can't have that cease and desist letter answer the damn phone okay answer the phone don't run from your collection calls and do all that but be a beast about it say hey by the way what's your name or before you even start talking and before you even start listening oh this is recorded an attempt to collect a woo woo okay no problem but what is your name what is your representative number what company is this what's your phone number what's your address drop all that on your cease and desist letter mail it out in other words don't call me about shit no more everything that you sent to me make it in writing or make it through email next one demand for validation pretty cut and clear very straightforward very straightforward uh basically saying hey let me know if this is legit or not if you can't it's out of here next one is removal of unidentifiable information that one usually goes with your ftc fraud packet uh things that you don't know very good to send off the ftc fraud packet along with this because it's like a 
universal police report that says, hey, I really don't know what the shit is. Take it off. Usually they take it off if it's the FTC identity theft letter. So make sure you download that from the FTC website. Fill it out. Next one is request for addition of supplementary credit. Now, you guys have been paying these companies for a very, very long time. You want to add your Metro PCS bill. You want to add your Sprint bill. You want to add your rent or something like that onto your credit. Nick just gave you the game for free. Fill that out. Add it on there and get into agreement with whoever the party is that's going to be adding the uh, account on there. Make sure that it's consistent every month. Sometimes there are fees you know, involved depending on what it is. Get that in there. The next one is addition of consumer statement. Prime example of how this one can be of some help to you. I was in a situation years ago where I was shopping for a car, but I knew that every time I shopped for the car, they were going to ask me information in regards to a car that was in claim status. Uh, bring the packet, bring this, do this, do that, all this extra crazy stuff. And I didn't want to constantly have that shit with me. So what I did was I submitted the insurance claim packet to the credit bureau to attach to the credit report. Meaning every time I went to a dealer and they pulled my credit report, this shit came out right along with it. That means that you're able to read, you're able to make a decision. You don't have to call me, ask me for nothing. Everything that you need is right there in front of you. This can be for that. This can be for an apartment if you went through a situation and you just want to explain it ahead of time and you want them to see it. The notes can be right there on the credit report. Anything that you want people to see versus you explain, you can put it on a consumer statement. So now, we've covered personal information. We've covered inquiries, late, outdated, you know, information over seven years, incorrect items. We've discussed briefly settlements. Um, medical bills, we talked about that. We've also talked about student loans. We've discussed repossessions. We've discussed evictions. Uh, we've also talked about the letters, you know, which ones you use briefly, which ones are included. Uh, this should help you a little bit with your disputes. The disputes are not complicated. The way the disputes become complicated is when people feel like they're going to go online and click here and get some type of damn miraculous results or something. Or for the big one that I see happen to people all the time, it came back on their credit. <laughs> yeah, because there was no documentation to go on that. It was like a temporary, we're going to give you this until this person comes back and reports the shit again. This time they're going to report it stronger because they know that you're using these stupid little quick care disputes. So they're going to come and give us all the paperwork that we need. Why go through that when you can send all the paperwork that you need? So there we have it. That's a brief breakdown of disputes. There's a more in-depth, you know, explanation of how to go about the disputes, you know, what you need, what to gather, the process and all of that. That's in the actual repair guide. So if you really want to get into this dispute thing, I recommend that you purchase Understanding and Maintaining Credit, the Guide and Letter Templates. It is on the website, which is www.niqbiz.com. It's in the Urban Java Cafe. You can click on there, download it. Uh, you can get a discount of 10 bucks if you use the promo code subscribed. 
meaning that you've subscribed to the podcast. So you get that $10 off that particular packet. Uh, any questions or anything like that, you guys know where to reach me. I'm going to try to get into credit and wrap up as much of it as I possibly can within the next week or so, because of course there's a lot more things that I would love to talk to you guys about in regards to finance, starting a business, investing, budgeting, doing that type of thing. As far as credit is concerned, understanding the report is key. Getting into these disputes is key. I feel like for the full-blown, you know, shebang of this whole credit cleaning thing, you simply just need to go and purchase the guide. It breaks it down in there in like 62, 63 pages or something like that. And it gives you all the letters. Uh, we'll also be adding a few on there because as I was going through my notes for this podcast, we're going to go ahead and make a separate one for contingency payments. We're going to make one for the school loan inquiries because I understand that some of you guys' student loans are not so cut and dry or they're overstated or something happened where the student loans are just not correct. So we're going to add one of those. Uh, COVID-19 hardship letter. We understand everybody's going through the struggle right now. So I got you guys covered. A plain hardship letter for future uh, long form disputes. I'm going to get you something in there where you guys can add this to these letters in order to submit more information to make it more organized. So you guys don't have to type. I just want to make everything. So you just add your name, add your address, add your social, and you're good to go. A maintenance packet for clients who have advanced in this DIY thing and they have their credit, you know, pretty good and they're just maintaining I'm going to create a maintenance packet for you guys to use for every three to four months. You know, when you see little things, you can just send that off. This is for Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, quarter one, two, three, four. Uh, I'm going to give you one separate for the medical, the 180 days, because sometimes those may come and you may not want to dispute anything else on your credit, but the medical, that's fine. We'll go ahead and create those. Uh, removal of collections. I am going to... I don't know. I've been thinking about that one later and I think I need to find a way to separate that and just put that in there. And as we've added today, I'm going to give you guys a separate repo packet. So stay checking, looking, uh, make sure that you, if you can join the app for my website, do that so you can see when things pop up gonna add that repo packet on there along with a few other things this week so you guys should have those soon the regular packet is there also the budget uh template is there so you guys can uh, grab that one but i'm gonna work on this to make sure that i give you everything that you need in order to fully improve your financial situation i believe that is it for today that was disputes i thank you guys for coming to the urban financial job alive podcast and i will see you guys again pretty soon thank you